0: Welcome back to Apricot Bakes and More, the podcast. I am your host April and today we're all about healthy cooking. I got some terminology we're going to go over, some tips on how to cook healthier, and even getting those little kids of yours to get in on the fun of cooking. So let's start off with the unhealthy fats. You have two main types of unhealthy fat. You have saturated and then trans fat. Now your saturated fats come mostly from animal sources. They raise your high-density lipoprotein, which is your HDL, or your good cholesterol, and a low-density LDL, which is your bad cholesterol, which may actually increase your risk of cardiovascular disease, or CVD. (coughs) Excuse me. Now, your trans fat occurs naturally in some foods in small amounts, though. Trans fats are made from oil through a food processing method called partial hydronation These particularly, okay, these foods, which is going to go easy words today These foods that have trans fat can increase your total blood, your total blood cholesterol Your LDL cholesterol and your triglyceride levels But lower your HDL, which is your high density lipoprotein this actually can cause you to have cvd your cardiovascular disease we want to skip these as much as uh possible so put down the potato chips i cannot say much on that because i love potato chips but that's beside the point Um, so most of these fats have high saturated fat content and they're very solid at room temperature they have they include uh, fats like your beef fat your pork fat your butter your coconut oil, shortening, and sticks of margarine. So even if it says it's healthy for you, flip it over and look on the back and look at that trans fat. If it's got 0.5 or less, they can actually put it on the label as zero. So you want to pay attention to words like polysaturated fat. Now, you get some healthier fats. Now, just because they are healthier doesn't mean you get to eat tons of it. Still, you got to limit it you have your monounsaturated fatty acids. Uh, These are found in a variety of foods. Uh, Some studies have shown that eating foods rich in monounsaturated fatty acids can actually improve your blood cholesterol levels, which can help decrease your risk of heart disease and actually help uh, give you a decreased risk of getting type two diabetes you have your polyunsaturated fatty acids. Mostly fl- uh, found in your plant-based foods and oils. There has been some evidence to show that these acids, unlike saturated fat, <clears throat> I'm losing my voice, have improved blood cholesterol levels. Again, decreasing your chance of heart disease and getting type, type, <laughs> type two diabetes. Um, omega-3 fatty acids. Now, we hear about this a lot, especially when you're pregnant. They want you to eat omega-3s. They're good for your brain. They make you smart. We like these. Um, It's a type of a polyunsaturated fat. It's made up mostly of omega-3 fatty acids and can be especially beneficial for heart health. Keep those hearts pumping, right? Um, You can find these in fish. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, Fatty fish appears to decrease your risk of coronary artery disease. Um, These plant-based omega-3 acids, however, has yet to be determined whether it can actually replace the fish oil and have the same effect as the omega-3s you actually find in the fish. Um, Foods that are made up mostly of mono and polysaturated fats are liquid at room temperature such as your canola oils, your olive oils, sapphire oil, peanut oil, sunflower oil, even corn oil. Fish high in omega-3 fatty acids. They include salmon, tuna, trout, mackerel, sardines, and herring. I love salmon especially if you put it in some teriyaki or if you just sprinkle some lemon on it. Really really good. Um, your plant sources include flax seeds, but ground oils, your canola, flaxseed, and soybean oils, nuts and other seeds like walnuts, butternuts, and chia seeds. You know, those things you put on the like, the little casserole things and make sprout seeds. Chia pets? Yeah, those things. Those are actually good for you, not just for chia pets now. <laughs> um, some good cooking for you oil, again. Even though these are good, they're still fats and they're still high in calories. So you have to limit them. Uh, You have your canola oil, your corn oil, your olive oil, peanut oil, sapphire oil, soybean oil, and sunflower oil. Um, This actually is coming from the American Heart Association. They recommend you use these kind of oils when cooking and baking. Um, You use them in the same way as solid fats you but they actually have some benefits to this uh, you can actually make your own salad dressing, your own dips, your own marinade, your own sauces huge bonus if you do this you can actually take some money and save it by using the oils that you have and mixing it up with you know fresh herbs, great vinaigrette, salads, cheap, easy um, You can use it for grilling and sautéing, stir-frying, baking, roasting. We're going to talk more about those in a minute, too. You can actually use them to coat your pans from sticking. A great way to season your cast-iron frying pans, which I'll have to be doing because I let mine go a little too long. You can use it for a substitute with butter, for margarine, uh, for your solid fats and recipes. But just be careful, not all of them are a one-to-one ratio. Now, you can separate it from butter. A lot of people love butter on bread. I love my bread and butter. But if you take a little bit of olive oil, some minced garlic, some rosemary, chives, parsley, sage, oregano, mince it all up, whisk it up, and you can grate this amazing dip for your bread. Um, they serve it at fancy restaurants for Italian places. It's really, really good. I'm actually going to step away for a moment to get a glass of water, like I pretty much always do. And when I come back, we're going to talk about healthy cooking techniques. Okay, so we all know that when you really want to start healthy, we all know you want to start cooking healthier. I mean, we all do, right? But sometimes we just use so much oil and it's just easier to throw it in a frying pan and let it fry out. But that's so not good for you. Don't get me wrong. I love fried food. I love my fried chicken. Hello, I live in the South. It's everywhere, right? But it's so not good for you. So why not take what you love about the fried chicken, which for me is the spices and the flavors, and use it as baked? Um, again, a great way to introduce baking. Uh, baking is one of the healthiest ways you can cook. It generally does not require any extra fats to your foods. You just kind of stick it in the oven. Then we have braising. I love braising in my, oh, I'm drawing a blank, my Dutch ovens. There we go. I love my, um, especially with a big chuck roast, you know, mm, so good, but anyways, braising involves browning the ingredients first. Um, on a pan on top of the stove and then you're going to slowly cook it in a partly covered container usually using a small amount of liquids like water stock even some white wine broiling and grilling these are great uh, methods both expose the food directly to the heat that allow the fat to drip away from the food so not actually cooking inside of it Uh, If you're going to do grilling outdoors, place the food on the grill rack, above the charcoals um, or the glass. Um, You can actually skip oil completely and use a slice of lemon over your grill grates. It actually will help prevent it from sticking. I don't know how it works. I know it works. I do it all the time in the summertime for grilling. It's one of my favorite little chips that I've learned. And you don't get your food to taste like lemons. great. Uh, You could place your smaller items like your vegetables on tinfoil over the grill or on a long handle basket. You used to see those at like Target, Walmart, Home Depot, They big fancy baskets. You could just get those as well. Uh, Roasting, uh, you cook them at higher temperatures using the ovens. Dry heat to cook the food uh, for poultry, seafood, meat place in a roasting pan to, again, allow the fats to drip away. Uh, definitely use an oven-safe thermometer to make sure your food's reach that safe internal temperature. That way you know that your food's going to taste moist and not get dried out because you want to avoid drying gross food. I used to know someone who would the roast would smell you Know pretty good, and then when you get it out, it was dry, and then you would just cover it up with like pounds of gravy just to make it edible. I'm like, okay, so not healthy, but it was really good. Stop doing that. It wasn't me I'm just gonna throw that out there. It was not me. Uh, sauteing is a great way to cook. Um, okay, breathe right. <laughs> Uh, Sautéing cooks your foods. They usually small, thin pieces of food, usually at a high temperature and nonstick pan. You see this a lot with like stir fryings too. You get a good, real nonstick pan. You can actually use very little oil or no oil at all, depending on you know, how good the pan is. Uh, you could either even skip adding oil, depending if it the recipe. You could use low sodium broth or cooking spray. To replace it, you just got to be careful in what you're cooking. Uh, we have searing. I do searing a lot when it comes to my Czech roasts. Uh, this quickly browns the surface at high, high temps on the stove by locking in the flavor and giving that crunchy, crusty texture on the outside to the meats. Um, and then you would just finish it up using another method like braising or roasting in the oven. Um, besides having all these amazing ways to cook, you can actually, again, add herbs to food to create great ways to boost the flavor, add color, add aroma, without adding salt and oil. Now, if you remember from last week, I talked about all the different types of herbs that every home cook should have. Still, totally recommend them to this day. Um, healthy flavor boosters. Again, you get your fresh herbs and your dry herbs. You can even use dried mustard seeds or ground mustard. I use it a lot with um, potato salad. I know I'm weird. I love it in potato salad and not relish. I cannot stand relish in potato salad. That's a whole different story. Uh, you can add citrus to vegetables. Uh, really good or marinades, but avoid the pre-packaged ones only because they often have a lot of salt in them. And if you're going to do all this work to help bring down your cholesterol, you might as well skip some of that salt and help bring down your blood pressures too. Um, It usually tends to go together. Fresh hot peppers, I'm not a fan of spice, but if you remove the membrane and you remove the seeds, you actually will cut that spice level down a little bit. And trust me, a little bit really does go a very long, long way. During the summertime, and we're at the farmer's markets, I make this killer salsa. I can do, I don't know, I think I get like seven jars out of it. And we use fresh jalapenos and bell peppers and habaneros. Probably not saying that word right. And I remember this one time I was cutting up the habaneros, but I wasn't wearing gloves learn the hard way. Do not touch your face after during the spicy foods. Oh my God, my fingers and eyes burned, burned. I had to end up soaking my fingertips in I think a little saucer of milk just to kill the burn on my fingers. It was that intense. Like I thought I was going to cry. It was so bad. But, so like I said, a little bit of spice really does go a long way. Um, when you're cooking vegetables, try to stick to sautéing, grilling, roasting, baking, stir-frying, and steaming because that's going to keep the nutrients inside the vegetables. When you put it in a microwave or if you're doing a boiling, you're actually draining the vegetables from the nutrients and putting it in the water. Unless you're going to make a soup, a stew, um, you know, vegetable stock, I highly do not suggest you know wasting all that nutrients for water uh... that's just crazy talk to me <laughs> um, i have on my website this recipe for a tomato and roasted red pepper soup in which case i do actually boil the vegetables inside of it to help create that broth. same with my potato soup i will boil the potatoes, the carrots, the onions, and celery inside the water with the broth to help combine and create that flavor that you want. Because later I'm just going to take my masher and just smash them up in well potato soup. (laughs) Um, Now, getting kids involved. That can be a little tricky sometimes. Now I have to tell you, my kids, I have to... I'm going to brag about my kids for a little bit here. I have a now 18-year-old and two 12-year-olds. I can tell you from what we do at this house, well, at my house, that they can cook. My 18-year-old has been able to do full-course meals. My two 12-year-olds can actually cook steak and potatoes, grilled cheese sandwiches, I mean, yeah, they do need a little supervision here and there, but for the most part, they actually do it on their own. This is because we started teaching these healthy early habits early on. A lot of parents will just kick their kids out of the kitchen until it's time to eat instead of inviting them in to help, you know, cook the meal. Why can't they get involved? So I've come up with some ideas to help getting your kids, even as young as two and three, to help make dinner. Um, The two and three-year-olds, I'm not expecting like chef level here. Come on now. But they can stir and mix things in a little bowl and they can help. Um, Four to five-year-olds, they can learn how to measure with measuring cups and they can stir and mix things As you get a little bit bigger, you know, the 5- to 8-year-olds can learn how to set the tables. You know, this is really just getting everybody involved. Um, Your 9- to 13-year-olds, again, just building on the skills that we've learned, can start to stir your sauces, add ingredients. They should be able to make a simple dish like grilled cheese sandwiches or even just a ham and cheese sandwich at this point. Um, how to mix up ranch dressing, they should start learning how to cut and dice, mints, you know, get used to these terms and how to do them correctly. <laughs> Excuse me. As they get older, say 14 up, they should be able to know how to cook. I'm not talking like... Gordon Ramsay chef level here. You know, we're not talking masterpieces. We're talking, you know, simple things just so they start building. They should know how to do the chopping and they can stir. They should know how to work an oven in the stove without burning it. Okay, I'm going to tell you a little story. And I'm sure my kids are probably going to yell at me when they hear this. My oldest was babysitting my two younger ones. And me and my husband finally had a date night. Woo-hoo, date night. We come home and, you know, she's supposed to be watching them. And they know how to use the stove and they know how to use the oven. And I come home and I can smell something burning. And I'm like, what in the world do they do? Come to find out, my oldest, who was not paying attention, allowed my younger one to put pizza in the oven. Now, normally this would be an okay thing. And I swear she's going to shoot me when I say this. But she put it on a plastic plate. In the oven. <laughs> she felt really bad afterwards. I couldn't help but crack up laugh, because I just thought it was the funniest thing. But yeah, my oldest got in trouble because again, they know how to do this stuff. But sometimes they just have like those little brain farts and just like, all right, I'm gonna put everything in here. You no. Know. <laughs> but again, at least they know how to do it. Just brain farts sometimes, right? Um, At by the age of 18, you should know how to do the basics. Um, I used to go work with a woman who at the age of, I don't know, I think we were in the early 20s at the time, didn't even know how to make a scrambled egg. I mean, come on now. It's a scrambled egg. Egg, meat, pan, stir it up. (laughs) I mean, it's really that simple, right? Um, Have everyone help with, you know, when you're eating. Have them voice their opinions. This helps promote your early, eh, cannot speak today. Helps promote early eating habits. Um, also get them to help. It helps with learning the budgets, as I discussed in episode one. Um, a big thing is is when you're asking your kids to taste the food, don't just say, "Does this taste good?" Give them a flavor to taste for. Ask them questions like, "Does this need more salt? Does it need more pepper? How are the spices?" Uh, open-ended questions help them build about flavor profiles, help them start thinking: well, what else can I add to this that's better to make it better that doesn't need the extra fat, that extra salt? You know, it's the little things that help. Oh, my. <laughs> Excuse me again. Today is not a really good day for talking, right? I did not see this coming. I've been actually pretty good. But you know early eating habits good eating habits should i say start young the younger you start getting them interested in eating healthy and eating cooking eating and cooking the earlier the better the more they'll know as they get older i mean do you really want to have your kid at age 22 not make scrambled eggs i mean it's a scrambled egg um And I know not everyone has the time to do this. Not everyone has the flexibility for this. So that makes it even more important. You hear more and more in the schools saying, you know, we don't have time to teach the kids this. We don't have these classes anymore. And a lot of parents are like, well, you know, I had them when I was a kid. Now I had them too, but I didn't choose them. I chose theater because my mom was teaching me how to cook. Um, I think these classes are great for people who not necessarily don't want to teach but are so busy trying to keep up with the day-to-day that it just slips through the cracks and we all have such busy lifestyles I mean you got kids going to soccer practice you know robotics class and theater and football and basketball and gymnastics and whatever else they have after school and you're working and you're tired so why not carve out one day a week just one day now where you get together as a family and you cook together and you talk about these things and you show these things it's one day it's not every day but you would be surprised on how much this can actually help create you know better eating habits as they get older Okay, so I'm going to give everyone a challenge this week. I want you to take one of your favorite recipes. Again, words are hard today. Take one of your favorite recipes, and I want you to go out and make it healthier. Whether it's switching out the fats that you use, the proteins you're eating, adding more vegetables to it, uh, different, trying a different technique to cooking it to make it healthier. Take one recipe and change it. Um, I did an experiment back in 1990 something where I took fudge brownies and I wanted to make them healthier but I wanted to see if they would taste better. So I did two batches, one as directed with the oil and the second one I substituted oil for applesauce. You see a lot of people doing this in baking recipes. I took the cl- I took it to my class and they were all excited they want to get brownies yeah no <laughs> um the run that i made regular was the biggest hit because you know it was full of that fat and it tasted what they like expected like a fudge brownie the one made with the applesauce actually was more cake-like and denser and definitely drier so if you're not going to use to replace all of the oil maybe doing half the oil so Example, if the brownie recipe says a quarter cup of oil, maybe do two, tea, two tablespoons, I'm sorry, two tablespoons of oil with two tablespoons of applesauce. Or instead of using vegetable oil altogether, try using a different type, than one that's slightly healthier. You know, some of these things are worth experimenting. And honestly, well, a box of brownies is like a dollar, two dollars. Or if you have a fabulous recipe, this could be that recipe for that recipe challenge. Just saying. Anyways, I will uh, catch you all back next week. A little short this week, but um, I'm hoping you got some good ideas, some ways to cut down that fat but still increase your flavor. I'm all about the flavor, especially with herbs. I love my herbs. Um, so let me know how that challenge goes within the next couple of weeks, and I will uh, share it. I will see everyone next week. Have a good night.